I don't know what it is about that intro music that Restream plays, but it, I always say it makes me feel like I'm in church and we're about to have a sermon. For real. But that's not what the DJ Sessions is all about. <laughs> and we are here today for the DJ Sessions, presenting the virtual sessions. On the other end, I'm Darren, coming in from the virtual studios in Seattle, Washington. I have Drazen all the way in from Miami today. How's it going today, man? It's going amazing, brother. Amazing. Thanks for having me. What is it with Miami today? Um, do you know Boris? I just got off an interview with Boris uh, a couple hours ago. I don't know him personally, but of course I know his music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it was, yeah. it was a pleasure having him on the show. And he was talking about his boat named Supreme. It's a big old <laughs> yacht he got into. And he runs a yacht rental business. Charter. Oh, yeah, okay. Charter business. Now. He got like seven or eight yachts now. He charters. I'm like, guess I know I'm coming to Miami soon. You know, Miami's the bomb, man. And after the pandemic, it's grown exponentially in music yeah. culture investors technology i think because florida in general wasn't too strict it was a little lenient on the whole covid pandemic and a lot of uh -huh. people that live in new york are just flying to miami i'm meeting a bunch of people from new york especially and it's great synergy great synergy what happened here yeah it's 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 definitely awesome seeing everything come back to life i guess you could say in the sense of things but also seeing a resurgence of things that maybe weren't there of people coming out what since things have opened back up we'll just dive right into stuff what's been yeah, the wildest yeah. night since everything's opened back up that you've had out there yeah well for me my personal wildest night is djing back to back with dennis rodman at the fountain blue at live and that was a pretty historic day for me because First off, I've never been to Live. That was my first time there. And I, I did it with Dennis Rodman, which is a legendary basketball player. Yeah. Um, so that, that was probably one of the craziest nights I've had. Did, uh, did, did, how, did, how was that approach? Were you just DJing and then he comes up into the booth and's like, what's up? Or <laughs> so how did... There's a cool story behind this. So uh -huh. I DJ at this place called the Miami Supercar Rooms in Wynwood. And my friend Elo, who's the owner of the Supercar Rooms, I mean, we go back like seven years now. I'm the official DJ there. He tells me, hey, Drace, I'm going to have a show with Dennis Rodman. I was like, all right, cool. He's like, he's going to DJ for the first time in history. I was like, that's pretty cool. And he's like, and you're going to teach him. And I was like, badass. So then I went to his house. I taught him. The, the videos on my Instagram, I had his house teaching him how to DJ in his kitchen. And he loved me. And he's like, hey, maybe you want to come on tour with me when I go on this college tour thing. I was like, I'd, be, I'd love to. And then the next week after I taught him how to DJ, he had a show. It was super successful. The next week after that was his birthday, and he's like, "Jason, come with me to live, and you know, let's play together." And then that's how it happened. <laughs> that's awesome. You know, yeah. I, I was at I was at um, EDC last year uh, for my first time, and I actually got to see. Speaking of famous basketball players that play, I got to see Shaq playing on the stage. Yeah. And I actually just I just went to his Twitch today, or to, I'm sorry, to his Twitter account today, and his tagline is "The biggest DJ in the world." <laughs> I'm like, what? Like, yeah. Okay, yeah. But, I love Shaq. I've been to his uh to his fun house. He has a show called The Fun House here in Miami. And well, this is before the pandemic, and he was just in the crowd casually just jumping around for everyone. He is such a great vibe. Yeah, he seemed to be very energetic. Of course, he looked about this big. I can't I don't know how to translate that via the camera, but he was about that far away when I was watching, but seemed to be very outgoing, energetic, crowd-based, like uh, wanting to interact with the crowd. Yes. You know, like exactly. really get in with the crowd. Um, you know, we could, we're going to be talking a lot about DJing and music and production and all that stuff, but question for you, Drazen, is 
what jobs did you do before you became a DJ? So before I became a DJ, I was honestly just like a server, like just some, some, some side hustles. And then I eventually decided to say, you know, fuck the whole server and side hustle thing. I just want to do music full time, even if it involves side hustles and music. And then that journey eventually led me to the blockchain space. And then I actually got some jobs in the blockchain space with Blockchain Education Network, with this company called Blockster. And I started hosting events for them. I started like booking them at conferences. And through there, I started meeting people that do metaverse events. And I was like, hey, let me DJ in your metaverse. Let me test run the metaverse. And so it was cool because it was a job simultaneously also building my music career in the Web3 space. And I learned a lot, met a bunch of massive connections that I still have today. And, you know, going forward with that. So now it's like, I'm working with music and in the blockchain space simultaneously. And speaking about blockchain, the three little word there that comes into play is uh, that I always ask everyone about is NFTs. Yeah. And the excitement and the buzz, the hype was there. Of course, the, the markets are down a little bit now. Yes. I'm, I'm looking to get into it with our brand, figuring out how the DJ sessions can play into the blockchain or nft world uh, with yeah. our content that we generate um you know amazing we're, feedback on that yeah we're not necessarily like graphic designers over here but um we do have a lot of content and we've been looking at how do we how do we nft our our interviews like i could nft this interview right here and go oh hey make 10 of them available or something like that and say oh if you're a fan of Dre's and you know here's an nft interview you got with them you know and and put yeah. those out there i think that would be kind of something very interesting because this is a form of artwork or a form of, of a media distribution, Absolutely. you know, and, and how that's going to play in the music world with DJs releasing tracks or even in the entertainment world where, you know, I mentioned this is that I think one of the most creative uses I've seen is people are, you buy a NFT and then that is your concert ticket and right. then you hold on to that. And that is good for every show moving forward. And if you want to sell that off, well, then you don't just get the one sale you get the residual and the residual and the residual and has that passed on. Somebody says, I don't want to go this year. And they, they pass the ticket off to somebody or I don't want to go to that anymore. They find something else to, to do. I think Correct. there's going to be a lot of creative ways that we're going to see things play out with this NFT world. Um, yeah. I can tell you how me and my friends built up a community in the metaverse. Yeah, absolutely. So through, again, the Blockchain Education Network, I met this man named Dean. He owns a land parcel in the central land. The coordinates are 137 minus two. So for the last like 21 weeks, he's been doing two shows a day at 3 p.m. And every show he gives away a free NFT of the week. And by doing that, literally starting from zero, but giving a, people an NFT every time just by them, you know, sending their address on Twitter and a screenshot that they were there, they built a community of around like 300 people continuously returning every week uh, to that live show. And so I've done a couple live shows there. I've given away some music NFTs there for free. But then once it starts getting sold in the second market, like you said, I get those additional royalties. But for me, NFTs right now, like it has a little bit of a bad name because you know, there's a lot of scams. And it's true. There is a lot of people trying to do that because they're trying to make NFTs all about the money. But NFTs are really supposed to be about strengthening a community. That's really the core of it. If you use NFTs to strengthen a community you already have or you're trying to grow, then it becomes more valuable. So, for example, for your show, if you gave away an NFT, if you find a designer that can do a cool little you know, capsule or icon of your show spinning, and it's a different variation of that every week, people will be like, man, if I pull up to the DJ sessions, I'm getting an NFT every single time by proving I was there, maybe by sharing on my socials. 
And then that starts to snowball and snowball and snowball, especially if you're consistent. And that's what we did in the decentralized metaverse. Yeah, that's that's kind of the direction we're looking at going with this as well. Um, yeah. As the dust settles, as it as it moves forward, uh, you know, we're very excited to, to see how that 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 rolls out. And I think having somebody that says, "Oh, I could download that show," or "I could get that," you know, the one thing I, I'm looking at it is I saw Twitter did this. If you uploaded an NFT photo to your profile photo, it gave you a special icon letting you know yeah, that, that yeah. yeah, you own that. Or that's that's yours. That would be a very interesting thing to see happen in in social media. Something that I always thought would be good would be almost for identifying if you really own it or if you copied it. You know, right? Uh, or or like always, I thought you know something like Meta or Facebook should have you know a login, and if you put your credit card information in and you verify it's you, this is a verified profile. I mean, Instagram is doing that now with with verified profiles, which is nice. Um, but you know, you could have a lot of fake accounts out there too. That was the whole exactly. thing with Elon Musk saying, "I want to buy Twitter. Show me your fake accounts." And they're like, "Well, we estimate it's only five percent." And he's like, "I'm seeing maybe twenty percent, you know." And now yeah. I want to back out, <laughs> you know. Yeah, but exactly. How many fake accounts are there out there? And you can't really do that with a, if I say this right, it's non fungible token. Gosh, did I say right. that right? Right, Please yeah, don't yeah. murder me, NFT land. <laughs> but uh, NFT, I'll just say NFT. But yeah. you know that's something that's going to be unique. And, and and if you go back to you know the early days, I talk with a lot of old school, older school, old school DJs. Um, no offense, Boris, but uh, you've been around for thirty years. He was there when vinyl was there, and you know you bought a vinyl. There was only maybe five thousand pressings or ten thousand pressings of that vinyl. Have you yeah. held it? That was in your library. Nobody could bite your album because they couldn't get it. Yeah, it was you basically know? a digital version of this. Exactly, and and you know, you know, could we see something of coming out and saying, okay, you know, we're only going to let NFT songs being played on these machines in our clubs. You have to verify your mix. That way, it shows that you have the licensing to them, and if you bought that. You are getting the license to use where you're getting your master use, your sync use, you know, where it makes things a little easier on the end of licensing even. I was saying you you bought this and this is licensed for this. So rather than just, oh, I bought it off of iTunes or I bought it off of Beatport. And even then that doesn't give you the, the rights to use it in live streaming and television commercial. But we won't go into anything of that because I know nothing about that whatsoever. Um, <laughs> copyright law. It's a fun topic of conversations on this. But NFTs could look to maybe break down that barrier and still put money in the artist's pocket. Yeah. You know? well, one way I always tell people to look at NFTs, especially for artists, musicians, is like imagine if Drake 10 years ago dropped an NFT. 10 yeah. years ago. And you bought that NFT. The NFT is going to appreciate the bigger Drake gets. So if I had the NFT today, 10 years ago, now Drake has made me a bunch of money. And I've also made him a bunch of money when he first started. So now as a diehard fan, it's like even like they're already diehard fans of Drake. So now imagine diehard fans that have been financially compensated by their artists. This is like another, this is another level of like yeah. a fandom. You know yeah. what I'm saying? It's another level. Um, almost like cult-like, even harder cult-like. So the future's going to be very interesting in how artists are going to really strengthen their communities because now they have a chance to financially compensate the fans that are always supporting them. There's no middlemen. The blockchain allows a fan and an artist to connect wallet to wallet and no middlemen. No middlemen, yep. No accounting. <laughs> that too. Well, you always got to do your accounting, right? You got to do your accounting on your own end, but I mean yeah. – there's nobody saying, "Oh, I got to pay out these royalties and to, you know divvy it all up." It just 
goes right with how it's how it's formed. Like from what my understanding is, it's formed. It says no matter what, it's always going to cut out to this person every time it transfers, which is awesome. Now speaking of that, and you mentioned something that's a very hot topic on our end, and I love talking about it. Yeah. You are DJing in the metaverse. Correct. Tell us about that experience um, because I'll add some in after I, after you tell our fans all about you, what you're doing there. Absolutely. So I touched on it a little bit uh, earlier. I've been DJing in the central end and actually most of the time I DJ right here in uh, the RX3 over there. Have it, give it a nice uh, you know background, whatever. So my friends showed me how to use server connected to OBS and pretty much everyone joins into the central land, dresses however they want, as a robot, as Jesus, as the Buddha, alien, whatever you want. You see the screen and then everyone can dance and interact with each other as I'm DJing. And you can scale this to a lot of people and scale this to different locations around the world because it's the internet, of course. And then on top of that, it's also blockchain enabled. So again, the game automatically reads all the wallet addresses I can send them my NFTs. They can tip me tokens. And as time goes on, like I've been doing some metaverse parties where I DJ, I stream the party into the metaverse so the people in the metaverse can see where I'm at. The people in the party can see the metaverse people. And now the next step after that is going to be like metaverse people maybe donating a tip and maybe that affects the bar. Everyone gets drinks in real life, you know? So that the next step would be like metaverse in real life interaction. <laughs> Yeah, and you, I mean, Jocelyn buys drinks for everyone at the bar. Yeah, I mean, that's, just, that's one fun way to do it, you know? That's yeah. Or it could be you tip something and maybe, like, the fog machine comes out. Like, the sky's the limit. It's like the creativity is whatever you want to do. I uh, A couple things you mentioned. I have one of our resident DJs, Avian Invasion, has a really successful show on Twitch. And, yeah, he has – when people donate so much or it hits a hype train – He'll have to take a shot or he'll have one arm right. shut down or he'll play the guitar and you know, yeah. all the now imagine that before a public space for a public space would be amazing. That'd be awesome. Yeah. Um, and what I, I love about that is we just launched two nightclubs in the metaverse in alt space. Um, and we're super excited about it. We're, we're, we've actually, our first club that we launched was called beta because it was literally a beta version. We haven't even launched version two version one yet. Right. And then we have entry nightclub, uh, which will help us raise, be on the charts. This is not what people don't understand about VR is that it's not like the website. Like you can't just go to GoDaddy or go to Bluehost or go to Gator hosting and say, Oh, here's my code. Put up my website. Each area is specific on what can go in there, what you can do in there, your level of creativity in there. And uh, I heard this very awesome explanation that said, if you can make your avatar a chipmunk, that tells you the level of creativity you'll have in that given space. So you go into somewhere like Rec Room, it doesn't have much creativity. You go into Horizons, you're stuck within the Horizon platform. You go to something like Alt Space, you go to something like VR Chat. now you can start getting in unity builds and building bigger, better places. And I haven't been in, I'm actually in talks with somebody. I just did an event. We did a pride event over the week, uh, a couple weekends ago and um, a couple were biking and they pulled over and said, Hey, we need some DJs to play in our Decentraland, Decentraland place. I think it's Decentraland, right? Um, yes. Yes. Cool. Okay. Got to get all these names right. <laughs> yeah. And uh, would you be interested in doing that? I said, that's great. We got nightclubs. We're looking to take our nightclubs. And we're going to put them into alt space and the VR chat and the Decentraland and all these other different places. Think of it like we're putting a Starbucks. It's the same model. No matter which flavor or place you choose to go to, you're still going to have a DJ sessions experience 
across cross platforms. So we're super excited to see how far that goes. And we're getting ready to do some last minute picture hanging. I like to call it picture hanging or uh, interior design on our clubs. But um, yeah, we're super excited to, to see how that goes. Because like you said, you get a bunch of people in there and well, it won't necessarily replace the nightclub experience, but you do something that's called round trip processing, where there's something online that triggers something in the real world. Somebody yeah. in the real world could trigger something on site and it might right. trigger back inside the metaverse. You know, yeah. I think that's going to be amazing. <laughs> and then as we see AR come out, you know, and we see 3D mapping like Matterport coming in and say they 3D map a club and now you're actually in the club in meta, in the metaverse, but somebody could be at the actual real club and put some AR goggles on and then see the avatars that are in you know how crazy it can go. Yeah, that'd be badass. That'd be badass. <laughs> you know, I think one of the things we did here with using – are you familiar with Silent Disco technology? Um, I, I see a couple of Silent Discos, but what do, you, what do you mean by that exactly? Yeah, the, the Silent Disco technology where you put the music through the headsets. It's all wireless through headsets. Yeah, absolutely. You can switch the channels. Well, one of the first things we've done – I've never seen anyone do this in the world yet. But we've taken that – what we call the round-trip processing. And we could have a person at one of our events – and we're streaming live and they're like, oh my gosh, I'm on the red channel right now. Fire that off to all their friends on social media. Their friends online could actually be watching the red channel, but then their friends could jump down to the green channel because we're streaming that as well. And they go back to their friends and say, oh, get on the green channel. That's fire. Then the person at the event clicks on the green channel and goes, the green channel is fire. And they're having this whole mm. round trip virtual experience. And we want to bring that into the metaverse. You know. Beautiful. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. going to be some awesome stuff. So like I said, it's, it's back and forth interaction. That's the next level. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think that's going to be great. And, and, you know, you said you were, you work closely with the, um, oh gosh, I, I, I please do not be mad at me for forgetting. What's the name of the place with all those F beautiful F1 racer cars, supercar rooms, supercar rooms. You work there, you do events there. You've had some really positive experiences Working there, one of them working with an artist by the name of Dennis Rodman and Sophia Rothschild. Sophia Rothschild, yeah. And you yeah. just did a remix, um, did like six six songs, six remixes yeah. for her, correct? Right. Twelve. 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 There was two parts to it, yeah. So the second was, part was six, the first part was six. Yeah. I was listening to part two. <laughs> yeah. That's some awesome stuff. Um, you know, it, it, it comes down to collaborating with artists. What's the one thing? piece of advice that you could give to somebody who wants to go out there and collaborate with somebody is there's one piece of advice you can give to them yeah it would just be to be genuine be authentic uh you know don't be fake and you really want you really want to open doors by being who you are because for me i believe a lot in energies and i feel like people that are on a similar wavelength for frequency you're always going to run into each other and you're meant to run into each other so just be genuine authentic be open-minded go out and take inspirations from different places and you're always going to run into the right people. That's what I would say. Definitely. Definitely. I, I'm known as one of those networkers, get into a room, see the room and then go ask questions and introduce myself, you know, and talk yeah. to people. And if that connection happens, you're right. Like it, you're meant to be there. Meant um, to be there. Yeah. Cause back in the day I used to want to network with everyone. And I thought that was super cool. And it was a fun, a fun period. But over time, as I, I guess grown up or matured, whatever, I've noticed that it's actually better to just work with people that you resonate with. Even if someone else could be, I don't know, a billionaire. But if you don't resonate with them, that's okay. Like, 
it might actually be worse if you try to work with them because you guys don't resonate. You yeah. know what I'm saying? But if you're materialistic and you only see it as like money, whatever, then yeah, you're gonna try to force something. But I noticed that life is just easier, more aligned, or more harmonious in business and energy just by growing with people you resonate with. Definitely, definitely. I, I, I've been a very big advocate of not being around toxic environments, toxic people, people that maybe take too much from you when you try right. to network and work with them and they're not reciprocating that energy back. Um, something, you know, you had mentioned um, pre-show was music to manifest. Yeah. And tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So this is actually something I kind of learned recently. I mean, we all heard speak things into existence, but now I've been developing like, how can I take that to the next level? And I've noticed, and this is again on my spirituality, energetic vibe, that let's just say you have a desire. I want to make a lot of money or I want peace of mind or I want to have my family. Combine that with an instrumental of your favorite song, right? So you have already the favorite song, you know the lyrics, you know the melodies of the lyrics. You write your affirmations over those lyrics. And now you have the endorphins hitting you from the song, that affirmations being spoken out in a harmonious and melodic pattern. And I've been doing this and trust me, it's been working some crazy wonders. And one of the crazy wonders I'm about to tell you right now, this might even sound hard to believe for, you, for most people on the show, but I manifested an opportunity to sell Picasso paintings, right? Right, exactly, right? That's crazy, almost unbelievable. And I, now I've been going out and like, as a side hustle, I've been selling some Picasso paintings and I've been getting some leads for this and it's absolutely unbelievable. But that's the world I love to live, to live in. Like unbelievable, mm. epic, legendary, extraordinary. And you can only really reach this through the state of mind of believing. If you don't believe, there's no chance. There's no chance. Yeah, I think manifestation is one of the key things that has probably kept me going. Uh, or I should say my to-do list, <laughs> if anything. Um, you know, seeing those, being able to, to visualize, know that it's there, know what I have to do. And, and moving forward with it. It's not just sitting on your ass and, and saying, I want everyone to give it to me. That's just not how it works out in the world. I remember one of the first DJs I ever interviewed on my show, a good friend of mine, Darren Chilson, here in Seattle. It was right before I interviewed Paul Oakenfold, one of my first celebrity DJs. I said, hey, does everyone, does anyone make it? Like, Are there, are there overnight successes in this business? He says, yeah. no. Now, when you see somebody succeeding, they probably did a ton of legwork, a ton of work to get to where they're at. It doesn't just wow. happen overnight. Uh, and if it does probably happen overnight, they're probably going to be gone overnight. <laughs> exactly. Oh, yeah. man, I can talk about that all day. I mean, I've been doing this for close to 13 years now. <laughs> and when I first started, you know, it's not that you're naive, but you, you believe certain things are going to lead to success. Like, oh, this guy knows all the dogs. He must be, he's going to make it. Nope. Oh, this guy's so connected. He knows all the venue owners. He's going to make it. Nope. Or this guy, like, he knows music theory to the next level. He's going to make it. Nope. And it's always sometimes, like, the guys that you least expect that end up blowing up. But then sometimes, like, they blow up and then they fall down. So it's, like, really, it's just about being consistent, being persistent. And if you're the last person standing. I would say, very proudly, I'm starting about 12, 13 years ago. I'm one of the last few standing, still going on their dreams from my generation. Right? So I would say same for you. If you've been in 2009, you're out here in this space, you've probably seen a lot of people leave this space because, you know, maybe responsibilities or life or bills, mm -hmm. like, you know, life hits you. Don't get me wrong. As you get older, it definitely gets, I would say, a little harder. 
but um, it's about being persistent and staying in the game. Well, I've been going out to nightclubs for 30 plus years now. And you're right. It's, it's the crowds change, time changes. I usually say there's, if there's a two year life cycle to the nightclub game in a market or maybe, maybe two to four year life cycle, depending on where you want to be in that life cycle. But you know, I'm going to write a book about this one day. I've been talking yeah. about writing this damn book for probably 20 plus years about, you know, how to work a nightclub, looking at the nightclub industry, real good rules of the road with my knowledge yeah. of what I've seen um, on to make it, yeah, to make it work. And I, I should, I just make a YouTube talk channel. So talk yeah, about exactly. it. Just talk about it. People that want that knowledge will seek it out instead of always mm -hmm. waiting for the book. Just put it out. Talk about it. And uh, speaking about music creation and, and being kind of, you know, last person standing, do you uh, ever make music sometimes completely out of your own genre that never gets released? Yeah, a couple times. Uh, right now, I'm mostly in house music. But like about five years ago, I started working on an album called Transcendence. And it was about the transcendent of genres. And there, there was obviously house, but there was also like a little bit of R&B, but everything had like a celestial vibe. There's a tr there's a track from that album I released called um it's on it's on my Spotify I'm sorry I forgot the name uh, it's been so long but it's very like experimental where it's just like there is no drop it's just a journey throughout the song and I was being very very experimental in that phase and I actually want to go back to that but some of those songs on that album were a little ahead of its time so I decided to like hey you know I'll, I'll release this album when the time is right I'm gonna niche down on house music for now and use that as my avenue to take off. Yeah, I, I, we were we uh, focused on a lot of different DJs, and it wasn't. And it was in 2015. I took my good friend Sergi Andre Cool, and uh, he was a resident DJ. Said, "You know what? Here's what we're gonna do for the direction of the show at this time and this year. We're gonna be all about house music. <laughs> it's all about house music, you know. And we're gonna yeah, go. Awesome. At, we're gonna go out and work with the house music community and be house, 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 you know. And he was a, he's a trance DJ, and uh, he'll yeah. be like, I can play anything." I mean, literally, you could throw happy hardcore in front of this kid and, and two hours later throw some breaks and then throw some yeah. tech house and then throw some yeah. house and then he'll go, but I really want to play trance, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So um, good kid. But, you know, it's it's just, um, oh, I was going somewhere with that, Darren. Where was I going with that? I don't know. We're in a live interview. So yeah. let's da -dun -dun -dun. By the way, I remember the song name. The song name is called EDM Abyss. EDM Abyss. EDM yeah. Abyss. Because when you listen to it, you just feel like you're in an abyss of EDM sounds. Mm -hmm. But there's no drop. It just like it's an abyss. And speaking of listening to music, um, when you don't listen to dance music, what do you listen to? Great question. Um, honestly, I like a lot of uh, I like a lot of hip hop. I've been listening to a lot of The Weeknd. I really like what he's been doing in these last couple albums. Mm -hmm. um, and also Sweet Shots Mafia, which are huge inspirations of mine, also touch on a lot of The Weeknd songs, like uh, Sacrifice. If you look at the song credits. You know, it's that guitar that goes. Dun, 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 dun. It sounds exactly like the one from Monsters Inc. Roar. Okay. Because it is the same synth for sound. They just like repurposed it. Um, so I really love The Weeknd. Another big uh, influence is Flume. Highly experimental, yet very you know, good for the years. And then, of course, Daft Punk, which are my living idols. I hate that they broke up after not doing anything for eight years. It was kind of weird. You know. Yeah, there was something they announced on their Twitter not too long ago, didn't they? Didn't they put something up and everyone was like, yeah, "Wait a second, what's this mean?" They put a stream. They put a stream of a of an old concert they had back in '97 or something like that, which is interesting. Like, they were very mysterious. Like, what's that mean, right? But um, 
But hey, if I can get some more Daft Punk music in my lifetime, that'd be amazing. Absolutely. Would yeah. you ever stop making music in favor of another art form? No. I decided to dedicate this. I decided to dedicate my life to music. So until I die, maybe there could be periods of breaks or whatever, but I will never stop until I die. Mm-hmm. I want to keep mastering this till I'm, till I'm six feet under. And if you had a favorite artist from the electronic music scene outside of your own specific genre, who who would who would that be? Yeah, uh, that would definitely be I mean, between Flume and Odessa. Any yes, any man. artist that has a celestial touch to it um, is an artist that I, I vibe with. Mm-hmm. And uh, if have you ever gotten shy when maybe being around some of these bigger name people? Do you get shy around people? When I when I first started a little bit, but I mean I've been doing this for now like close to thirteen years. Now it's like I met politicians, <laughs> I met CEOs, I met the biggest artists, like I met super rich families, like. I met everyone, man. So, like, I met incredible psychics. So, like, I've experienced a bunch of high-level people that it's all casual, normal for me. Like, I just treat them as regular people. And that's how they want to be treated with, you know? They don't want to be treated as, like, you're the fanboy. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it's it's pretty much normal for me now. I think it was an interview I did with uh, Marie Benary. I don't know if you know her or not. She's a very famous violinist. Like, in that, when I started doing research on her, I literally kind of started feeling a little fanboy. I normally yeah. don't get that. I'm like... Oh, I didn't know I'm uh, interviewing a UN ambassador. You know, like, like she's met presidents and, and first ladies and all this stuff. And I'm like, okay, this is, I did. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. This is kind of really cool. You know, sweetheart, total sweetheart, totally awesome uh, to have her on the show. Um, do you ever try to incorporate other styles of dance music in your productions? Or you say it's house right now. Um, anything- right now, I'm really tapping into a genre called Latin tech. Madden I mean, tech? Latin, Latin. Oh, Latin, 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 sorry. Latin tech, Latin house music, but more like Latin tech. Um, I've been working at this studio called Rich Music here in, in Wynwood. And they're also a label. And their label includes Demon Flow. They have some songs with like Batman Scoop with Faruko. Um, and so I've been working with them. They've been giving me some of the acapellas from their masters because they own the masters, they're the label. And I've been giving the opportunity to remix some with my friend Arnold, who goes by Pension. He's also not a Latin tech DJ. So me and him have been really pioneering and pushing that sound. What I'm trying to do is like, I'm trying to make a fusion. Ever since I started as a DJ, even before I was a DJ making mashups, I always like taking mainstream acapellas and putting them over like really dope house songs that are groovy or bassy, whatever. Because I felt like that was the bridge to connect the world to house music. Mm-hmm. By being familiar over a great house groove or beat. And so now I'm taking that now on the production level where it's like, okay, let me make a really dope house production, remix a song or even work of a big artist, and then use that to help people bridge their way back to house music. Yeah, like, and, and then people into house music. Like some people say, oh, you're being mainstream or whatever. It's like, I don't give a fuck. I want to bring people into house music. From there, they can decide to go deeper or whatever. But I love bringing people into this world. How do you feel about the whole debate going on about Beyonce and Drake's and people saying that they brought house music back? Yeah, it's an interesting debate. I, I knew Drake was going to drop a house track because I had some good sources that had told me that they actually worked <laughs> on that. They really worked on that album. Um, for me, I was I was all for it. Like, I only like a, one or two songs from Drake's album, but I respect him for being different, for taking a risk. Um, as for Beyonce. 
um, again, I, I think I think it's just respectful that they're trying out something new that they normally wouldn't try out. Mm-hmm. So I'm for it. Like people want to talk about it, maybe they don't like the song that much, but I respect artists taking the risk. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, I think that's one of the biggest things is what probably makes makes it for some artists is that risk taking like we're gonna do this we're gonna push this let's see if it works and if it doesn't let's get back to the drawing board and like jay-z said you gotta pick yourself up and dust off your shoulder you know and get that dust off your shoulder you know whatever but uh, what's one track that you currently play and and tell us why in detail it's such a great production so i've really been playing a lot of john summit tracks i I, for for me when i started listening to him about two three years ago I was like, man, this guy is really bringing back the passion I once felt when I first started listening to house music. Like a good groove, some good progressions to get the emotions out of you, and some good percussion to, to add on top of the bass group. Um, so I've been playing a lot of uh, his remixes. The I Remember Remix is dope. Uh, this in Chicago release that he had recently, again, really dope. Um, so yeah, I mean, I highly support John Summit and what he's doing with his productions. And if we were to visit Miami, what's the best thing we should visit in Miami? If we were to go there and I had one day, 10 hours, yeah. where do I go in Miami? Oh, man. There are so <laughs> many great places. I would definitely say, well, you got to go to the beach. Go to Miami Beach. Take a nice pina colada there. Enjoy the view. Then pass by Brickle. Check out the skyscrapers. Check out like sugar. Check out uh, Rose, which are like bars on top of the rooftops. See the whole view, appreciate it. Then pass by pass by Wynwood, which is like becoming like the an art center of the world. Every building's covered with, with art. It's beautiful, and there's a lot of like cool little things in there too. Like there's also Coyo, which is like a Mexican taco place. But at the same time, in the back there's like a lounge for like techno and bass night sometimes oscar g plays there um there's also like aladdin bar 1-800 lucky it's there's so many things to do in Winnipeg. that's where the miami supercar rooms is also where you can see prestigious cars and luxury events um so yeah i will say hit those three places hit miami beach hit brickle hit winwood and that's already enough on your plate for one day that would be enough that would be a lot yeah, yeah. and if you were to go out after hours after an event would it be yeah. pizza or hamburgers? For me, it'd be pizza. I'm a pizza guy. <laughs> pizza guy. Yeah. You got you do your Chicago, New York style. What style? Pan? Uh, I would say New York style. Yeah. And uh, pineapple, yay or nay? I'm a yay for pineapple. I'm a Fuck yay for pineapple. Else. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. understand why. Yeah. Like, I love it. It's yeah. awesome stuff. Um, well, you know, is there anything else you want to let our DJ Sessions fans know before we let you get going? For sure. I mean, as someone that's been doing this for close to 13 years, I would say always follow your heart as cheesy or as like cliche that might sound, but always follow it because I always find my heart doing my music career. I ran into some spectacular people at some of the highest points of the world. I met Tiesto. I met, you know, someone from the Rothschild family. You're connected now. So I'm some Picasso's. And it's all thanks to music. Like if it wasn't for music, I wouldn't be in any of these circles. And I know that all this is going to circle back to helping me lift up my music career, right? And now I'm in the blockchain space. Now I'm DJing in metaverses. So even though I'm not famous or like haven't broken through the mainstream or whatever, whatever that means, I'm enjoying my life because I'm following my heart, I'm doing what I love, 
I'm in major music sessions. I'm remixing major artists, talking to major players, talking to major tech companies, all because I decided to focus on following my heart, being persistent, and never giving up. So choose to follow your heart. You know, I think you couldn't have summed that up better. Um, you know, we were talking a little bit about the DJ sessions before the show and, you know, how always following a passion or following a dream. But, you know, when I, I didn't commit to it for almost the first nine years, I mean, I was committed, but I wasn't committed. And then when I said, I am moving forward with this, it is going to become a mainstay. It is going to become envelop most of my waking day and my time. Things started to move forward. But things always don't happen overnight, of course you know? Yeah. So, I mean, it took 2018 to 2019, and then we had this wonderful gap in the world that we'll never forget, but we won't talk about that happen. And then, you know, but we managed to come through. We managed to, to, to go through it and, and still succeed and come out of it. And again, I think you're, I think following your heart is definitely the right way. I mean, you follow with your mind, you follow with the bank account, you follow going after the dollar signs, you're probably going to burn out, you know, if, if what you do makes you happy in the long run, then that's, that's going to help sustain. So thank you for that piece of advice. Where can people find out more information about you? Yeah. So I'm, I'm most active on my Instagram, which is Drayson, D-R-A-S-E-N-N. And you can also find me on Twitter, Drayson D5. So my name Drayson and D-E-F-I. Um, I have a SoundCloud and a Spotify. You can just type in my name there, and this is going to pop up. Um, and yeah, I mean, I would love to continue the conversation. We didn't touch too much on my productions, but I really love what we talked about here because it's honestly one of the core factors to being an artist. If, if, what did you want to talk about your productions? We can still go. We oh, got time. Oh, yeah, we got time. Going. Up. Okay, cool. cool. No, we, we can wrap up, but no, we keep going. We got, we got time. We yeah. got 20, 20 minutes, 22 minutes. Yeah, so let me tell you a little bit how I learned to produce and DJ. Let me tell you my, I guess my, my come up story as a yeah as a DJ. So I started back in high school, junior year, and I was like, you know what, man? Like, I already see where this is going. It's going the corporate route. If I just stay here in school and graduate, like I saw it so clearly. Now it was risky, but I was like, you know what? I want to do music. So I started learning how to edit songs on this program called Mix My Seal. Then I learned how to DJ them on you know virtual DJ. Then I learned how to DJ them on Tractor. Then I started making those mashups and edits, putting them on SoundCloud before all the copyright frenzies started taking them down. And then Tiesto supported it, Hardwell supported it, Day Bad Luke supported it. And I was like, damn, I must have really great taste. You know, if I can get this exact taste of my productions, I know it will be supported as well. So then I started learning FL Studio, then moved on to Ableton. And Ableton was a huge learning curve for me. It took me like four years to really like be comfortable in there. And then it took me almost like 10 years to like make productions that I was like, okay, I'm actually liking what I, the majority of what I do now. And then I began working at A2F Studios as an engineer about three years ago. And that helped take my ears to the next level in terms of like being very precise, learning analog equipment, using the console, knowing how to wire a room, knowing, knowing the audio signal, knowing how to record, knowing Pro Tools. That didn't necessarily help me as an artist, but it helped me uh as, as for my ears basically they helped my artist career but helped me in my education of like audio and music basically mm -hmm. and i was doing genres outside of house i was doing mostly like hip-hop and latin it's also usually the type of people that come to record you know house music artists we all do it in the bedrooms that's all really we need a laptop and like some decent speakers so there were very few house artists coming to the studio 
<laughs> but when they did come, it was pretty cool. It was like Roger Sanchez. It was like Diplo or Steve Aoki. Um, so that was dope. But then I left that because I was like, you know what? I, I think I already got what I needed here. I don't really want to be an engineer. Like, it's not what I, really, what I want to do. I want to go back to doing artist things and DJing. So now I'm here in this phase where after learning all that, I started getting involved in the blockchain companies. I started getting involved a lot in the tech world. And they started pushing me in their circles. Like, hey, Drace is a great DJ. How many DJ your event? Do this, do that. And through that, I just meant like fantastic connections. Um, and now I'm working a lot out of this studio called Rich Music with my friend Arnold, uh, doing those remixes I was telling you about. Right now, I was doing a remix for Bad Bunny. And I can't say who gave me that placement. But there was another DJ, which I can't, I can't say, that wanted to potentially hop on that remix or even buy it. And I was like, man, now I'm kind of like living out the dream I was dreaming as a young kid where like these major superstar DJs would want my productions because the sound quality is so high up there. <laughs> and, you know, it's taken me close to like 13 years to get there. And it's like a very silent come-up story. I'm not publicizing this anywhere. It's kind of exclusive to, to your interview. Huh. And, you know, like, like they say, the humble, the humble don't stumble. So I remain humble. I do my work. I stay focused. I keep getting better at my music. And... Yeah, and I love I love doing that, and I love putting the finest details in my song. I always say like, love is putting the smallest detail, even though no one will see it, but you do it anyways because that's actually real love. And you can apply it to music, or you can apply it to even to your relationships. Like that's real love. You do something that no one else will notice, but you do it because you love it. If if you had to say, what's the longest you've ever taken to produce a track? Being that putting that level of production, that level of perfectionism into a track. So my last release was Vibracion with a, a girl I was dating named Weapony Ferguson. And that's probably took me close to 80 hours. And I'm not saying that every song is gonna take 80 hours, but like Rick Rubin says, like you do what the song calls for. So if the song calls for five hours and it's good to go, five hours. If the song calls for 80 hours, like you man up and you put those 80 hours in and it took 80 hours because it was recorded. We had like a, a trumpet in there that was also recorded. We had like 20 different mix downs. Then we had like all the mastering people do it. And then we had to out. I mean, since I'm very picky, I'm like, no, I don't like how you did it. I don't like how you did it. We do this, we do this until they got it perfect. And then of course the singer also had her opinion and you know, that caused more like back and forth. So that was probably the longest song, longest time I ever taken to make a song, 80 hours. Um, again, not saying that you have to put 80 hours in, but you do what it costs for. And Michael Jackson actually inspires me a lot of this because Quincy Jones says, uh, I think when you're doing Beat It, they had like over like 80 mixed down renders, right? It didn't yeah. stop. And even on the Thriller album, they had like 116 songs and they cut it down to 10. And this is back in the 80s where like, you know, doing these things took even more time. But that's how you make timeless music, that like you put effort in. I'm not saying that you can't make timeless music without any effort. Sometimes timeless music songs come out very easily. But I noticed the ones that really are quality and, and stick through the passage of time are the ones that you put a lot of love, effort, and teamwork into. And Michael Jackson's Thriller album is pretty much like the, the glory of that. They put 116 songs, cut it into 10, had like 80 mix downs for some of those songs cut it down and then I can only imagine the mastering process. So like that's how much time they took. And that's why that song, I mean, that's why the album still stands today. Yeah. It was, that was, that was definitely one of the, one of the top that was, 
I don't think anyone's broken the records that 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 album broke. And I was around when that came out. It was right crazy and that time. Was before social media, that was yeah. before the internet. You know, although it did, it, we did have MTV. <laughs> yeah, no MTV. Like when they when they pioneered MTV with his thriller music video. Yeah. So I mean, that was so an yeah. awesome time. Um, oh gosh, I just had another question. It was going to roll right off my tongue after that, but you know. Um, I guess is there any uh, what would what would be something you would give as advice to a producer rather than following your heart a producer a right. technical tip or a technical insight that you could give give to them Yeah so something that's helped me out a lot is um when I'm producing I have all my channels at like almost minus 15 to give myself a ton of headroom because I I mean this could be just my thing but I noticed I always tend to like clip the master when everything was at zero. Like they just got loud really quick and it kind of like messed up my whole vibe and mixing process. So I was like, all right, you know what? I'm going to turn everything down minus 15. We'll sit up on my audio interface. And now I have 15 uh, dB of headroom to like play around with too. If I need that kick to go super high, I can 15 you know, dBs of headroom. So that helped me out tremendously. And then another thing is being an artist also, on your mix downs like for me the mix down is part of the production so what i always try to do is i try to find plugins other people aren't using like for example bbe sonic maximizer low-key plugin but man that thing works wonders especially the process knob and the more plugins you find that are not really being used i'm not saying not to use stock plugins or good too but if you can be an artist by like using plugins that people don't normally use that are exclusive to like how you color your, your track that's also going to help you stand out on how your track sounds sonically. And for me in electronic music, the sonics are extremely important. And producing, you know, a track in the studio, is it, is your process, do you sometimes take it and go, go try to test it out on your audience before you finish it? Or do you only play what you feel is something that's finished? Uh, most of the time when it's finished, but I have tested it out beforehand. I have tested and it out beforehand. Yeah. Yeah. I remember I was uh, talking with, I think, I think it was Benny Benassi and he's saying, yeah, there were seven different versions of, um, oh, what was the track? Touch me until you touch yeah. me. Satisfaction. Yeah. Satisfaction. I think it was. And he goes, yeah, there's seven different. I, and he goes, I always try these out on, on, you know, different crowds. I'll play this remix in, in this city yeah. and I'll play this remix and see who's feeling it and what, not where. So that yeah. was kind of interesting that, the audience doesn't know they're being used as yeah, kind yeah. of an experiment. No, for sure. Yeah. That's actually, I mean, that's in a way business sparks. You're testing your market to see how it reacts. And the best reaction is the one that you want to build upon, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that's, like, that's basically market research in a creative way. And I, I'm totally for that. And that, that it helps if you, if you have a lot of shows. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah. You're on tour and, and it's just playing once a week. But yeah. Um, yeah, awesome. Okay, well, is there anything else you want to let our DJ Sessions fans know about before we let you go in for the second time? Yeah. Um, yeah, man, just like I said, follow your hearts, tap into your inner divinity, and you'll see the magic happen. Awesome. Drazen, where can people find out? One more time, where can they find out more information about you? Yeah, type in my, my name in Drazen, D-R-A-S-E-N on Instagram, Spotify, SoundCloud, Twitter, and my name's going to pop up. You'll see me. You'll recognize the hair. 
They recognize the hair. Awesome. Again, think, hey, wait, does your metaverse avatar look like you? Yeah, it does. <laughs> everyone knows this me. Yeah. You have a custom built? Uh, yeah. I mean, I customize it myself. There was a there was a video that came up, right? I just side note, a video that came up that I'm gonna be watching that came up right after your video. I don't know if it was just the YouTube algorithm or not, but it was two dudes talking about, you know, here, I want to pull this up really quick. I'm not gonna share it with our audience, but it's a VR download, the PSVR's two eyes tracking and meta's ruthless prioritization. Are you familiar with that video at all? Uh, I don't think I heard of it, no. <laughs> don't worry about it. It's something that just clicked on right after your video. I was going to watch. But it's these two yeah. guys that are actually using – he's like, I'm wearing Oculus, but you're seeing my hands move because it's doing my hand tracking. Oh, okay. you know, it, was, it was like – and they've got this kind of whiteboard presentation model that they're doing. It was kind of, it's kind of cool. It's awesome. So I, I'm really excited. I'd love to come and visit you in the metaverse sometime here soon. Uh, maybe, maybe you can come and stop by our nightclub and check it out sometime. I'll give you a tour. It's been pretty awesome, pretty awesome stuff. But Drazen, thank you so much for coming on the DJ sessions today. Thank you, Darren. Appreciate you. You're welcome. On that note, don't forget to go to our website, thedjsessions.com. Find us on TikTok, Instagram, Meta, Twitter. It's all out there at our website, thedjsessions.com. Live interviews, exclusive mixes, and more at thedjsessions.com. This is Darren in the virtual studios in Seattle, Washington. And that's Drazen. I always get these sometimes wrong because <laughs> it's yeah. quite reverse. All the way coming in from Miami, Florida for the DJ Sessions presents the virtual sessions. And remember, at the DJ Sessions, the music never stops. <laughs>